Hi, everyone. Welcome to Easy Mode with Prue and MK. I am Prue. I am joined by my partner in crime, MK. Hello there. Hello. And this week, we have a special guest, which we threatened in our first episode. Um, and we're joined by Gus. Hello there. <laughs> the reason I'm laughing is that that like very sweet normal intro is just so counterintuitive to who we know Gus is a person to be. <laughs> I am sunshine and fucking beams of light. I don't know what this is. Okay. I, this is just going to be mean, character impunation the whole time. Oh yeah. Well, when we had a little group chat going about whether or not we should make a video game po- podcast, I believe you said that you would cut us if we didn't call you on for a Breath of the Wild episode. I was I I actually said I would cut you if you didn't invite me to be a regular, but you know, you guys have you guys have uh, have gone without me, so I'm just going to have to, you know, have my vengeance some other way. But... We negotiated you down. <laughs> Have you? Have you really? Um, yeah. You get a six-episode run. We'll decide there when you- those episodes happen. <laughs> Actually, I mean, I think this is, like, a great opportunity because um, before uh, – we always say on the spot, always, our previous episode we said, and we plan to going forward. All one episode. All one <laughs> episode of Illustrious History. We talk about how we're here for a good time, not a get-good time. And I oh, think yeah. that Gus is an interesting guest to have on this episode, both today and on a regular basis, because I think that you have a very different relationship with, like, quote-unquote gaming than we do. Do you want to talk a little bit about your history and, like, the sort of gaming that you do regularly now? Yeah. Oh, uh, well, yeah, I think one of the things that is uh, important for you guys to know is that um, I started... I played Zelda, as in Zelda, Zelda, as in, you know... <laughs> The original, the, the original OG. Um, I still hear the music uh, whenever I'm in a really tense situation. The dungeon music of that 8-bit game will start playing in my head, um, uh, which is I'm abruptly realizing is way more than I want anybody to know about me. But um, uh, yeah, so I cut my teeth on Super Mario uh, one, two, and three, and I still have very very strong feelings about the fact that Super Mario 2 was the best one. Um, oh God. Which Despite I, not being canonically, canonically a Mario game. I don't I, want to talk about it. I know it. nothing about this, video games. I was and I know say, that that's like the most hipster opinion you can it really, have. It really, NES. really absolutely is. And I've had that hipster opinion since I was eight. So, you know, I come by it honest, at least. Um, <laughs> hipster about being a hipster. It was literally, I think it, really the reason that it was my, it, it's the best is because you can play as Peach and Peach can like jump for a long time. She can time. fly. She can yeah. fly basically. And anyway. Moving on. Um, so I uh, was able to play uh, pretty much all of the uh, Nintendo, the original Nintendo games, and then my parents stopped wanting me to play video games. So I didn't actually have any kind of video game um, experience until I was in my 20s, at which point I got a PS2 and kind of never looked back. Um, I don't play a huge number of games, but I tend to play them into the ground. So games like Heavenly Sword and uh, Last of Us, and I'm completely blanking on other games right now, Dragon Age. Uh, there, I definitely have a type of game that I like, which is something with a very strong story, something that is usually pretty triple a um in terms of graphics and stuff like that um 
I was uh, into Tomb Raiders before it was well. It was it was never cool, uh, but it was I, it was it was cool it was, to video it was game people. Something it was something. Um, I, <laughs> I certainly uh, I don't know this is to my video game cred, but I absolutely went to see uh, Laura Croft Tomb Raider starring um, what's her name. Angelina Jolie. Angelina Jolie. Thank you. I saw that opening night uh, because I was like, no oh, Tomb Raider. Uh, so, um, so that's kind of where I come from. I am definitely not a good gamer. Uh, I don't think I've ever played anything on hard level. I'm no. pretty sure you're better than both of us. Pretty. Sh- I've, yeah. I've, played, I've played things on normal mode, which I've been very proud of myself for. So there you well, go. Well, I don't even I don't even mean like difficulty <laughs> modes, which is like a whole separate yeah. thing. But like the fact okay, so we alluded to this in our first yeah. episode. But both MK and I have played Zelda Breath of the Wild, which is the topic of this week's episode. Yeah. Um into the ground. But yeah. both of us are also pretty <laughs> infamous among our friends for having completely lost our fucking shit. Fighting Thunderblight Ganon, like the closest I've ever come to throwing a physical object in, like, what is it called? Getting tilted in full gamer rage was fighting <laughs> Thunderblight Ganon. But, like, because I'm hashtag a girl, like, my first response was to cry. And then I wanted to throw my controller through the television. <laughs> Whereas you beat this motherfucker on first try. I beat him on first try, and it wasn't that hard. <laughs> Yeah. You're a monster. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. This is why I like. I've never sworn so much in my life. I've played this game three different logs, and every single time I died like eight times fighting that bastard. I mean, I guess I'm just that good, man. I don't know what to tell you. Actually, I had like a pocket full of fairies, and it was just like revive, die, revive, die, revive. Did you? Die. Did you? Did you get the 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 rubber gimp suit? No, I had some of it. You I did not. To, you needed to get all of it. That yeah, was, that, that was, was the what thing. was killing you. That was what yeah, was that was my you. problem. Was yeah. like, okay, the rubber gimp suit was partially hidden also in like the thunder plane, which also scared me. So yeah. I was like, I, I hung around there as little as possible <laughs> um, because the the setting was upsetting. So yes. then I like got my ass handed to me over and over again in like fucking thunder like Ganon. And, like, I have a very obsessive personality where, like, even as I was dying to him over and over again, I was, like, in my head I knew, like, if I walk away from this fight and go, like, get a couple of more things, I will probably do better, but that will somehow be cheating. So I just Mm -hmm. have to sit here and eat ass in this fight until I, like, beat him with what I already have. You can't let him win. You have to just, like, it has to end now. Correct. And even if now it takes like four days in real time, I have to establish dominance by crying and not throwing my controller across the room. My coworker is always like, what did you do on the weekend? Anything fun? And I'm always like, I swore a lot at Thunderblood Cannon. I don't see, I don't do anything rational, like play video games like this on weekends. On weekends, I always feel like if I do not like, even now, like even during the pandemic times, I'm always like, I need to have at least walked for like four miles wandering around places, doing stuff, like, ugh, making sure I have that really good mask knee going on. Um, so, like, I don't do, like, relaxing things over the weekend like a normal. I'll just, like, play shit like this at 3 in the morning, being like, I'm going to hate myself for the rest of the week, and it'll contribute to the, like, full experience of being a gamer. I, 
think you've misunderstood the point, but that's okay. We can move on. No, it's I, I get it. I'm I'm aware that I have a sickness, but this is just how I live. <laughs> I which, is, which okay. is also why I don't game consistently. <laughs> Guys, I, can I? So this is one reason why maybe we should have had a video feed for for us because I have been sitting here just horror struck at you both for the past like five minutes. <laughs> Just like, different styles, Gus. Different styles. No, it's not different styles. It's one style that's actually like the way that a game works. And it's the <laughs> other style in which you cry <laughs> because you couldn't beat a video game boss. Only I, one of us cried. I didn't cry like for realsies cry. I uh-huh. almost cried. You cried inside your heart. I did cry inside my heart a lot. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, I just got really angry. It was just so <laughs> frustrating. It's so unfair. Um, but I, I, I mean, I think this goes to how, like, we are looking for very different things out oh, of our absolutely. video games. Yeah. Like, if I never fight anybody ever in a video game, I'm totally chill with that. Like, I never want to fight anything. I loved the um, shrines in Zelda. I loved all, like, the little... I, I think that's... Actually, here's something that we can talk about. Like, to yeah. get us into the conversation on Breath of the Wild. Like, it, was this your first Zelda game? And what made it so special? Because I think we're all united in the idea that we love this game, right? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So this was my very first Zelda game. And I think that what made it so special to me, and because I have zero context on Zelda, I've never played another Zelda game. I don't play that many video games to begin with. But, like, what made this so magical to me was I love the world to run around in. And I didn't realize until after I played this game and been like, oh, my God, video games are fun. I should play more video games. That this was extraordinarily unique um, to this game in particular, which we'll talk about more later. And what I love so much about this game was all the little puzzles that are hidden all around the world. Mm -hmm. It was just so much fun. And, like, (coughs) exploration and the little puzzles between the Koroks and the shrines were just addictive and magical and I had so much fun just running around the world looking for that stuff that like every time I came across like uh, a baddie I was like no 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 you're interrupting my shrine hunting so <laughs> that was that's like kind of the way I've approached Breath of the Wild um, yeah. MK what about you um definitely like I, I love an open world game and some of my favorite games are either like open world or a mix of open world and closed world where like it depends on which phase you're in mm-hmm. um we argued a bit about this before recording but final fantasy 6 starts as a closed world and then when you reach a certain point in the game you can literally go anywhere and do anything mm-hmm. uh, and then you reach another point like if you trigger something it closes again mm-hmm. and i really liked that as a kid i've always wanted more games that do that or something like that which breath of the wild did very well um, I don't know. I feel like the order that you do the, uh, the beasts, the divine beasts in this game says like something about the way that you approach this game. Mm. Oh, that's an interesting, well, can you expound like, more on that? I want to hear about that. Yeah. But. Okay. So for me, the first time I played it, um, I really wanted to activate as many towers as possible. One, cause like I don't know what it is, but the animation when you activate a tower is like cocaine. Like oh, it's it so satisfying. It's very pleasing. It's so satisfying, and it's beautiful. Um, and 
too, I guess I was thinking not strategically about things, but I was like, what looks like I won't die? Right. Um, is my very first thought is like, how can I not die? Right. So the first one I did was uh, Varuta, mm-hmm. the water one with Mifa. Because mm-hmm. you, get, you get the shield, which I didn't know about, but I was like, okay, like it's hard getting up to this one, but it's not like... I'm not dying frequently. Right. I also feel like they direct uh, you to Varuda first. I was going to say, I would, I, would, I would argue that Varuda is definitely supposed, quote unquote, supposed to be the first one. Yeah. Um, and we can talk about game design later. But yeah, keep going. Because this is, yeah. I think this is really interesting. Uh, then I did Daruk because I felt overconfident. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, I did that. No problem. Uh, I can do whatever I want now. I can survive fire, and it was very difficult getting up there, like, just getting into the fucking town. Yeah. Um, catching enough lizards to make enough fireproof potions. Like, the first time I played this, I was very bad at that, and I struggled a lot. But I was like, no, now I'm committed, because I did one Divine Beast, and it was no problem, and I could definitely do this. Um, and I thought the fight, like, the fight against Fireblight Ganon was actually easier. Uh, like I would agree with that. Once Varuta. you know the trick to Fireblight Ganon... It's, it's nothing. It's nothing. Yeah. But yeah. it definitely took me a while to figure out the trick to Fireblight Cannon. I was going to say. It took like a couple rounds, and then I was like, oh, I got this. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And um, then what did you do? Then I went to the Gerudo. Yeah. <laughs> and I spent like two weeks just swearing a lot. <laughs> this, um, this actually two explains, weeks? This explains Probably, a lot. Probably, yeah. Because oh, I did Varuda first, Elephant. Right. Then I went straight to the desert. Oh my god! Yeah, and um, See, I did not have the tools <laughs> that I needed to, to do the desert. Like I actually did um, elephant, then desert, then snow, and then what? the Daruk's protection, like the the I don't know the salamander. Wow! Last. Yeah, that's this wild. Is fascinating to me because I yeah, did. Which is, like why yeah. which is why whenever people are like oh yeah thunderblight's not that bad i'm like fuck you he was the worst <laughs> i didn't know what i was doing i hated the, the i hate sand it's so rough and uncomfortable on my skin is this fucking <laughs> monster's electric you run slow okay anakin um okay so cause, so uh, to just be real quick i did elephant bird uh uh lizard bird. camel I feel like that's the right order to do it. Which I was going to say, and we can talk about that in a minute. So, okay, so, okay, so, Prue, you did, you did Grudo second. How long did it take you to get through that phase? I don't, I mean, like, I did it, so my time spent with Breath of the Wild is kind of like a haze. I don't really know, like, how long I spent in any particular thing. Right. I play really slowly. Um, mm-hmm. But I do know that, like, I pro- it probably took me, like, two solid evenings. Because, like I said, I didn't ever step away from the fight. Like, once I got in it, I was like, fuck. And just, like, knew I had to, like, finish it or else I was going to go crazy because I'm a lunatic and I think that stepping away from a video game fight somehow means that it's established dominance over me, which if you're ready to throw a controller through a TV, it already has and you've lost the game of life, but whatever. So I think I definitely did it. Like, when I was playing this game, I would kind of, like, come home from work at, like, whatever, like, 6 at night Mm -hmm. and, like, eat something and then probably play for, like until minimum one or two in the morning. 
So two or three nights of that is how long it took me to like beat Thunder Blake Gannon. Okay. It was not a good experience. <laughs> no, I, I would imagine that you were straight up not having a good time, bro. I would straight up not recommend it. Although I will say that like the level of relief that I felt when I finally beat that motherfucker was insane. <laughs> like I, I, it was just like, I felt my blood pressure drop at like 40 percentage points, <laughs> like at the end of it. And I was like, I'm never doing this again. So like whenever people are like, Oh yeah, I played this game three times. I'm like, what's wrong? <laughs> Every time I say it, Mm-mm, can't deal with it. Not to mention the bonus content. Where you have to beat him and it's harder. No, I was gonna you. say, yeah, there's a there's a mass uh, master level or master level or master version. Basically, yeah, hard mode for yeah, for that's Zelda. that's for other people, not for me. No, no, there's hard mode, and then separately there is the champions ballad, and in the champions. Oh ballad, yeah, the champions ballad is bullshit. No. No, I did it. <laughs> I know you. I'm did. not doing it again, but I did it once, and I'm like accomplished. That was mm-hmm. that was impressive because I bounced off the champions ballad. I don't think I even got through the first third of the challenge. I was just like, one this day I'm going to no have fun. a job interview, and they're going to be like, "What's something you're really proud of?" And I'll be like, <laughs> "Beating Thunder Blake Gannon in champions ballad mode." You know what? That's completely valid. I think there's there's no um, shame there. I should say my two weeks are not just Thunder Blake Gannon. My two weeks are. Like, getting into the desert without blacking out or being killed by guardians because I was exploring a lot of cliff sides, figuring out that first stupid tower, um, all the stupid oh, yeah. side quests that you have to do before she agrees to go to Thunderblight Ganon with you. Yeah. Like, that was my, like, two-week journey. Oh, okay. I really struggled in the desert. I was going to so, say, that makes, that makes a lot more sense. It makes me feel much less bad for you because it's like, Jesus. Yeah. Thunderbolt Ganon itself, one evening, but, like, many hours over one evening. Yeah, yeah. Ganon Ganon was actually, like, one of the easiest parts of this game. By the time you get to him, he's just, like, he's not a challenge at all. But I just realized something about the track that I took Mm -hmm. for this game. So if I did Ruta, Gerudo, then Bird, then Daruk, I basically did, like, an anti-clockwise circle in this game. Mm. Yeah. And, and I think the reason I did, this is like very telling of like hashtag me. Um, <laughs> I did it because I'd seen so many, cause like, I'm not a person that is like, Oh, I refuse to look anything up for the game. Like I basically had like Google up the whole time as I was playing this game to try and figure out like things. Um, because I am again, bad at video games. But so like, I'd seen so many pictures of Link in like the cute little Gerudo outfit Aww. and like all of the jewelry and stuff. So like very early on in my playtime, I was like, I need to accessorize. Like it became like a point of obsession for me that I needed to like get all of the jewelry that Link could get. And I wanted him to have like all the cute little outfits. So I think that that's why I was headed to Gerudo so early. I just cut straight from like, the central plateau and Varuda and I swung down through the Farron region and into the desert because I was like, I need to get him like a cute little outfit. <laughs> okay. Okay. So my reason was I wanted the map to fill in, in a consistent and solid pattern as I went across. <laughs> and the thing that drove me bonkers on my first and second playthrough was that I did not do a Kala until last because it kept murdering me. <laughs> Akala is hard. It's true. Yeah. Akala is hard. Fair. Third playthrough, I was like, I'm going straight to fucking Akala. I can do this. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I the, did it. The third playthrough. That's third when you playthrough. had the confidence. Yeah. It took that long. 
I mean, yes. I mean, sometimes you just it, sometimes it takes a while. Okay. I'm getting better at it every time. Um, maybe this is like a good time to talk about, uh, one of the topics that Gus wanted to cover about Breath of the Wild was how the game feels. Yeah. Well, the thing that I think is really interesting is I did not pick up this game until quarantine and Mm. then I bounced off of it, uh, as the, the common parlance is, um, I, I lost interest in playing it after about, uh, I'd say a week. Um, (gasps) I had done... I had done the elephant and I think I was still just kind of wandering around and I was like, this just feels a little bit like a slog. Um, and then I picked it back up this fall and, um, just had a really amazing time because I think what had been the problem for me the first time was that I was expecting it to be like most other open world games that I play. Mm -hmm. Um, like uh, Dragon Age Inquisition or Red Dead Redemption or Horizon Zero Dawn, this kind of um, open world and kind of anything can happen, but there's still um, there are still a lot of storylines going on. Right. Um, things are happening in most other games. Things are happening. Um, whether you're there or not, that's kind of one of the things about open world games is that it's it's continuing to progress. And one of the things that's so interesting to me about Breath of the Wild is that because of the nature of the 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 story, like because this is basically like a blighted land where you are, mm-hmm. you know, where everything's kind of on hold until you banish Ganon you are really the instigating factor in almost everything. Um, Mm. And it was really, it it was hard for me to kind of grasp that at first, but once I kind of did and I was like, okay, so this is something where I just have, I'm much more proactive um, even than the normal video game protagonist. Um, Then it became a lot more enjoyable. Also, I will admit uh, I finally got uh, the giant horse, which I, I can I can only tell you, everybody get that giant horse as soon as you can. He's he's the best, um, or she, uh, whatever. It's it's a whatever. Horse. What and did you end up naming your giant horse? Beulah. See, everyone has a great giant horse name, and they're everyone all. Everyone has a very different name. I, I want to know dumb. yours, guys. Now, what you I think what are my you? giant horse is named Chungus. <laughs> I think mine is. <laughs> Mine is called Ganon. An other friend of the podcast, Hoyden, I think named her horse Naruto. Yeah. <laughs> like, no one gives their giant horse, like, a good horse name. <laughs> it's always, like... What is a good horse name, I anyway? Come I, on. I mean, like... All horses have dumb names. Reginald, or, like, I don't know. But, like, it, it's, like, the... It's like the type of person who names like their purebred dog like Reginald versus someone who names like their garbage cat like Chunko, you know, like something like that. And I feel like all the giant horses are Chunko cats. So I used to ride a pair of Clydesdales named Bonnie and Clyde, and I thought that was much too on the nose. <laughs> Horse girl problems that I cannot uh, emotionally connect with. They weren't mine. <laughs> it doesn't fine. matter. It doesn't matter. Um, there's one thing about the feel of this game that I think Gus can speak to that Prue can't, which mm-hmm. might be interesting, which is that the soundtrack of this game is completely different from every other Zelda game anyone has ever played. 
I don't know if that bothered you when you started. When I started, I really hated the soundtrack. Um, well, so the music for me was really, uh, I, I don't know that I can actually speak to it terribly well because um, in terms of my own experience, I have played two Zelda games. I played the original Zelda and I played this. Um, so the original Zelda game, uh, music is very iconic. Uh, I think if you started humming it to anybody over the age of 40, they would have a Pavlovian response. Um, for, for Breath of the Wild, I actually, I don't know that I can speak too much to the music of it. Um, did you notice it when you started playing that it was so different? I know it'd been like 20 years oh yeah i mean you mean like, different from the original i mean yeah it's it's very different because like, <laughs> the, thing is like, the thing is like every zelda game i've ever played has had if not the same soundtrack but like adjusted than a similar soundtrack. oh that's right? interesting because like, I, I i can't speak to that because i actually don't know what the what the evolution of the soundtracks have been um but yeah a lot of times that that happens but um uh but yeah, the the soundtrack to the, to to Breath of the Wild is much better. Obviously, um, it's also much less. Uh, it, it's much better at being background music for a mood, rather than something that is, you know, something that you're paying attention to. So it's more like right, a tone I guess, setting yeah. than anything else. There's not there's not actually much music at all in this game. No. Yeah, music typically happens, like, when you launch one of the towers or when something, like, a pivotal memory or yes, something Yes, or happens. if you're getting, if you're getting a, um, what are they called? Soul balls. Right. The, <laughs> right. the one real exception is when you enter the territory of Hyrule Castle and then you get the main Zelda theme. Yes. Mm-hmm. I've actually, yeah, so from, I, I loved that. I thought that that was a real, and that was actually a really clever use of it because up until that point, you know, Link is still so, I think, kind of detached from who he was. Like he's getting these memories back and he's, you know, rediscovering his purpose and stuff like that. But until he goes into Hyrule Castle, I think a lot of it is still very theoretical. Um yeah, I think what's interesting is the final, well, final for me, memory, aside from, like, the one where he dies, mm-hmm. is inside the castle. Like, you're pretty likely to get all the memories except yeah. that one, and then be like, shit, I have to go into the yeah. castle. And when you do that, music yeah. returns. And until then, I had been really annoyed with the music. I was like, I get it. <laughs> it's about the mood. But when I play a Zelda game, like, I want to hear, like, specific themes. I want to hear, like, the Kokiri Forest-type theme if I'm in, like you know, Farron Woods. Or right. Something. Exactly. Um, and I was like really disappointed to it. I got used to it as the game went on and I put more hours into it, but I was like pretty unhappy yeah. with it until I went into the castle. And then it was like maybe a week after that when I was like, okay, it is a good soundtrack. I do like it. I can still be annoyed. Oh, for sure. I think this is such an interesting point of view because like so much of video game music, as I've come to learn, is kind of designed to help your focus hone in. Yeah. And when I actually fo- hone focus, I don't actually hear the music anymore. So, like, yes, I'm aware that, like, in Hyrule Castle, they played a theme. I couldn't tell you what that music was. 
because mm. as I listen to it, like my brain whites it out as noise that keeps like one track of my ADHD brain like occupied so that I can actually like pay attention to details on another one. And so the very minimalistic, very like ambient world sounds of the rest of um, the game didn't bother me. I really liked it and it felt like very, it really contributed to the mood. Like, you know, this is a different sort of answer to the question of like, how does the game Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild feel? Mm -hmm. But like, in a, and I'm sure that maybe there are other games that give the same sensation, but to me, it's the closest I've ever come, you know, of all the games that I've played since to actual immersion. Like, you know, it's that sense of when you're reading like a really good book and you can like feel the things that are happening in the book. Those mm -hmm. scenes in the game where I'm like running around the Farron woods or when I'm like climbing around the promenade or like I'm exploring the desert, you know, like climbing around the hills looking for the eighth, um, the eighth giant statue <laughs> and you like stumble across the giant sword, like you actually feel like you're doing something. Right. And I feel like the music and the sort of ambient noise mix that they use really helped contribute to that. Um, and I feel like if I had had other music, I'm sure it would have been fine. I just wouldn't have noted it as memorable. This is actually like a really generally strange thing to me. Like now that I consume more media around gaming, people talk a lot about like the soundtracks or whatever. And I'm like, uh, like incredible that you guys notice. Like when I'm playing a game, like if I'm actually into it, it just fades. And I cannot tell you anything about the music of any of the games that I've played at all. I was going to say, for a lot of times, I just mute music um, if I'm able to, which actually is one thing in um, Breath of the Wild you can't. There's no, um, there's no individual slider to uh, turn down the music, um, mm. uh, which for most games that I play, you can do that, which I think is really interesting, which is one reason why I have feelings about the the music in in breath of the wild so what were you gonna say because because you were forced to uh, yeah pretty to much <laughs> i use the music in video games sort of to make every game a rhythm game like i tend to like attack on the beat oh it, like, fascinating changes the way that i behave in a scene mm. um one thing that i find is like if i've been playing a game a lot um i still hear all of the music and the sound effects when i am not playing it yeah. So I've been playing a lot of VR lately, and when I am, like, in bed at night, I can hear goblins going, like, wee-wah, and then, like, the sound of, like, my magic wand going off, or, like, <laughs> like that just plays in my head all the time. That's kind of fascinating. I mean, and, and I was going to say... I'm not the only no, one, though. I, I, clearly, I, I, I said before that, like, whenever I have, like, a really, like, whenever I feel like... I'm in danger or whatever or stressed, I will start hearing the uh, dungeon music from, from the original Zelda. So, <laughs> so no, you're definitely yeah. not alone. I think, I think one of the things that I thought was really interesting, um, Prue, when you said that you don't, you didn't notice the difference between the ambient music uh, in the Breath of the Wild and then the Hyrule Castle music, it could very well be because um, the, the reason that uh, MK and I did was because we know it so well. Um, and it's so it's, it's kind of yeah. like, you know, if you're listening to an album and the single comes on, you're like, well, you know that song much better than you know the rest of the album. So we're going to pay more attention to it. But mm -hmm. one of the things that 
soundtracks are supposed to do for video games is A, help you focus, and B, fade into the background. You're not supposed to kind of listen to them. And of course, the original... Right, it depends on yeah, the Yeah, and of course, in the original Zelda, like, that was from the 80s. Like, they had not perfected that particular genre yet. Um, I will say, like, dungeon music in original Zelda games was, like, pretty fade into the background mm-hmm. for me. But the overworld theme was like always in my head. Yeah, I was about to. I mean, I can still, I can still uh, sing it from heart uh, by heart as well. I'm also like the kind of person who goes to um, when the Toronto Symphony puts on like a video game performance where they're just playing like this is all Zelda music. Or this I is would all be video in like music. Flynn for that. Next time that happens, please let me know because I want to go to that. I will. My friends and I all get together and we like go and it's just like a great. Yeah. You just like people who are all there who love that music together. Um, just like it, it feels yeah, so wonderful. Exactly. One of the other things that I wanted to talk about in terms of the gameplay feel is that for you guys, well, for MK less, but for Prue, I, I don't think it's really, I want to kind of emphasize how high level a game this is because the graphics are very simplistic and very kind of not really cartoon, but much, I mean, they, they don't try for a kind of hyper-realism but the underlying game is as sophisticated as any AAA game that I've ever played in terms of it's the physics. It's so sophisticated. Yeah, in terms it's of the so physics. so sophisticated. Yeah. And it's so consistent. Yes. And I did not, I, I flicked at this. I'm glad you brought this up again because, like, I flicked at this, but, like, I did not realize that I was, like, starting on such a high point until <laughs> I started playing other shit. Yeah. And I was like, why does nothing work? Yeah. Like, why is this fake and why is this world so shallow? Because it's not until you step out of Breath of the Wild and play other games that are, like, similar-ish that you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. This is not as good as Breath of oh, the Wild. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and it told you're just like, it, it's weird because I have learned now that I'm like spending more time playing games that like, regardless of whatever your personal opinions are of Nintendo games, they all have a sort of like guaranteed mark of polish and quality that are just not present in other games. Like other things Mm -hmm. that I've played have just been like so absolute trash in comparison. And like, it has been comical. So like, for example, I bought this game called Raji. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've heard about that. Yeah. I saw it on my steam wish list. Well, I saw, don't buy it. I saw it on a Nintendo direct (laughs) and I was like, Oh, this looks so pretty. Um, because I was looking for Breath of the Wild 2 news. There was no Breath of the Wild 2 news. Um, but it's about, it's done by an Indian game studio. And it's very much about, like, Indian myth and legend. And it has a beautiful art style. It looks really cool. So I've played less than 30 minutes of this game. Mm-hmm. Because it puts you through a tutorial and... 25 minutes into the tutorial stage, I am stuck in a corner of a wall and I cannot get out. Like my character cannot get out. Like I spent like five to 10 minutes trying to jump out in some way. I like backed out of that save slot in the game to try and like um, get out and see whether it was just like a weird glitch and she's still stuck in there. So I'm pretty sure the only way I can like play this game period is if I like somehow delete the save and like start all over, which is not the end of the world. No, I was but that is, just that in, is, like, I was 
in the tutorial. Yeah, but, but it was so weird yeah. because I was like, I'm literally just in like a jumping section yeah. of the tutorial and went into a particular corner on this map that I can clearly move to and I can't get out of it now. And it, it, like, this is an extreme example and probably an unfair one. Obviously, this it, is an indie studio. But, like, it, it's just such evident. Like, shit like that does not happen in Nintendo games, right? Like, there was no point in Mario Odyssey where I was ever worried that the game rules or the world rules that the game taught to me would break something. Yeah. Or, like, if I saw something cool in Zelda and I was like, it makes sense that I should be able to set this on fire, I was able to set it on fire, and it never, ever broke immersion for me, and I could be a complete little arsonist if I wanted to, you know? And, like, it's taken me time in playing other things to realize how rare and magical that yes. is that that exists in breath of the wild absolutely right like it took me the three playthroughs until i found and got stuck in a clipping error wow yeah that is actually impressive because yeah. that that yeah, does that happen i was gonna happen. say that does that that is that is very that is very impressive in terms of like because yeah i mean even even zelda which is i agree a completely a very polished game, you know, there's going to be somewhere that you get stuck. But, um, the fact that it took that long is, is very impressive. So, yeah. Yeah. If you're not looking for clipping errors, like they can still happen to you and they do in most oh, yeah. games. I I've, think. I think I've gotten stuck in every single open world game that I've ever played. I think I got stuck in the untitled goose game. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm special. Um, so no, I think I think what you're saying in terms of like the physics and in terms of the 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 consistency of the of the rules in in Breath of the Wild is, I mean I'm coming from not that many more games than you guys play, but it, I've never played a game where, like you said, I should be able to set that on fire. Let's see if I can set that on fire. Oh yeah, I can set that on fire. Is 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 true like you can't do that in any other game there's no other game where you can climb anything that you see you know and one of the, mm -hmm. actually one of the things that i really want to talk about uh is the fact that if you are in the rain you cannot climb things uh or if uh, a surface is wet <laughs> no the, uh, that sometimes physics, i would be halfway up a yeah. mountain and it would start raining no, and i would just totally, set the controller down and walk away and it's incredibly 100 it's incredibly frustrating but it is also one of the most fascinating physics aspects that i've ever seen in a video game because it doesn't serve a purpose in terms of like there's no well as far as I know, there's no particular scene or boss that you have to fight where, like, the the wetness, you know, prevents you from doing X, Y, Z. It's just there because that yeah. would be the realistic thing to do. It's, yeah. it's frustrating, but it's also incredibly consistent. And it's incredibly, like, yeah, the only, well done. <laughs> the only exception to its consistency is the fact that you can just hang there. As long as you don't try to move, you can just stay where you are. At a dumb angle on the side of a mountain until it I was going to say, I mean, I, I, I have rocked climbed before, uh, and I can say that it's much easier to stay in one place than it is to move up or down. So that actually seemed so pretty actually, consistent to me. Actually, he only has his bare hands. <laughs> back check. That actually is kind of how it would work. He doesn't have any climbing equipment, Gus. He's bare He's got a bandana. He's, he's got a special bandana, okay? That's all he needs. 
just he's just gripping with his Spider-Man fingertips, I guess. I mean, he's, you know, he's he's a very little man with very strong fingers, I guess. Anyway. Leave him alone. I, I'm um, leaving him That's alone. actually something that I love about this game is sort of like, and I don't know how many people, like, it, one of the really interesting things in, like, the discussion around Zelda, it's so weird, like, it, in a strange way, it's like plunging into a fandom that you never paid attention to before, and it has like 25 years of history. Yeah. So yep. getting to read all of like the old meta and like learning about it has been like really fascinating. Except 98% of it is done by men, so it's repulsive. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but the video game meta around Link is fascinating where people are just like oh yeah like in all the other previous games even though like the character's name is technically Link um, people could name their character whatever they wanted mm -hmm. which seems crazy to me mm -hmm. um, and then <laughs> sort of like the fact that he doesn't have a voice like he's not voice acted and he doesn't speak so every like there's this like persistent sensation that you're supposed to like you're supposed to be able to put whatever characteristics you want on yeah, him. Like, he's, so you can have any personality you want. He's a cipher. However, the way that I read Link is so differently. Like, I'm taking from him the implications of his behavior and sort of, like, the character work that they do in the animation in Breath of the Wild. So, like, to me, if you wanted me to describe Link as a character, I think a lot of players of the older games... Or even some of the modern games would be like, oh, Link doesn't talk so that you can kind of like put whatever character or personality you want on him, and that's it. You know, like Link is whoever you want him to be. Whereas to me, Link is a very distinctive personality. Like, Link doesn't talk. That's just part of his steez. I don't know whether it's because he's not physically able to talk or whether it's because he just chooses not to. In the game, it canonically says he chooses not to. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. based on Zelda's diaries, which I felt very weird about reading, and she's going to kick my ass about it later when she finds oh, out about she it. she finds out. <laughs> yep. She's, she's like, going to beat me up with her, like, laser beams of wizard power later. Um, <laughs> but also, she'll I think that Link is kind of like a little bit of a himbo, feral child. Like, yeah. his responses to things are so categorically hilarious. Like, just the fact that, like, his movements, you know, like, the way that he responds to things, just, like, he's a little bit dim, and he's always like, I don't know, I guess I should try it. And, like, that, like, Link is the living definition of bad ideas make for good stories later. And, like, I think that that's just, like, very much the way that I view him as a character. Yeah. And I was like, I'm fully aware that that is not intentional necessarily right because he's supposed to be a cypher he's supposed to be whatever you put on him but like what? he feels very much like a whole and complete fucking arsonist weirdo who loves cooking <laughs> I was, okay there's there's two things though about link one um i don't know if you guys saw this video but there's a video with the guy who did the character design for mm -hmm. link no. i haven't seen it and this is a very good video it's a long video but it's very good he talks about like he was working on this game and they like released the first couple um, and by the time Ocarina of Time came out, which is, like, one of the biggest, most popular Zelda games, he was, like, he asked his wife, like, what do you think about it? And she was, like, well, he could be more handsome. I don't <laughs> think he ever handsome. I mean. And then he spent, like, the rest of his career working to make Link more handsome to, like, gain the approval of his wife, who was correct. Yes. I was going to say. Um, I, would, I would agree with that. But the, the other thing about Link as a person is that, like the more I've, I think I've played the most Zelda games out of all of yeah, us. I think so. Many Zelda games, the reason that you can rename Link is because it's not Link that you are playing as. It is 
basically he is a vessel for the prophecy of the Triforce. So like a hero who will wear green is born during this time of need. He is a Link rather than the Link. It just like it happens that his name is Link or his name isn't Link. Maybe his name is MK. Maybe his name is Big Horse. (laughs) But that's the guy who has like inherited in this generation this prophecy and will do the work of Link. Huh. Is that is that the case in the first Legend of Zelda game as well? No. The first Legend of Zelda is... Well, the first Legend of Zelda was not... Cons- I mean, it wasn't really... It was just a video game. It wasn't necessarily going to be... A- it was a guy making a game out of existing assets at Nintendo in Exactly. And basically, the, the first thing that happens is a weird old wizard says, it's dangerous to go alone, take this, gives you a sword... And then you're off to the races, so to speak. Um, so also, the first Zelda game is not canonically the first game in the timeline. True. Okay, we we got to talk yeah, about that well, later. I, I got to get clarity around this one question first. So, yes. is it fair to say that this is the first, like Breath of the Wild, is the first Zelda game with an actual character, like as the lead? No. No. Uh, definitely, Skyward Sword is Link. I think. <laughs> I'm like 80% Definitely, sure. I think that it is, perhaps. I'm going to say I'm 80% sure that he is Link in Skyward Sword. Okay, yeah, never mind. I, That's I can't, fine. I can't, I can't answer that question. I'm sorry. But now that someone has said the word, the cursed word in the context of Zelda timeline, yeah. I, I think we have to talk about the Zelda timeline. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. I, I kept my tab open for this reason, exactly. <laughs> You've been waiting. <laughs> well, listen, so here's the thing. Everyone knew that, like, Zelda games existed in a timeline or in one or more universes right. because there's evidence of it, but we, like, couldn't pin mm-hmm. it down. And I think it was in, like, 2001 or 2011, Nintendo put out this book called um, Hyrule Historia, mm-hmm. and it includes a two-page spread that is a timeline of all Zelda games to that point, putting them in an order and splitting out into three timelines. Um, obviously, we have more games since then, and all of them have slotted in except Breath of the Wild, so which there's is interesting. Four timelines now. Well, Breath of the Wild definitely falls into one of these timelines, but we don't know which one it is. You should talk about this, and then I'm going to give you my theory about this at the end. Okay. Okay. I have a so, theory about this. <laughs> There's, like, the order the games came out in, which is wrong, and then there's the order that they happen in. (laughs) So, in Skyward Sword, there is no Hyrule. There is a country on an island in the sky that is made by the three goddesses. And the three goddesses create, basically, the technology and the magic that allows Link to have, like, the the hero sword and that kind of thing. Um, And it establishes and creates... Like, the world below is full of monsters, and Link has to go down to that world and then back up to his island and up and down and up and down, and all that kind of stuff happens. Um, Then there's, like, two games that I don't really think matter, and you can get mad at me in the comments if you want, but I don't care, (laughs) which is the Minish Cap and Four Swords, which are, like, DS games. Oh, both of those, I think, are widely regarded as the. Yeah, I think widely widely regarded. Minish Cap, I've definitely heard impugned many times. Yeah. Yeah. The next game that happens is Ocarina of Time, which is the one that, like, if you are a big Zelda fan and you are roughly in our age bracket, you definitely played as a child. Like, this was, like, I had played Zelda games before, but this is the one that made me a Zelda fan. Right. Uh, anyway. 
Um, and it introduces like time travel. Wait, is this then the one that has the into really the annoying split. fairy? Yeah, the really Navi. Hey, listen. <laughs> okay. Um, so in Ocarina of Time, if you either give up on playing the game or lose to Ganon, you have entered what's called the decline timeline. Right. Um, if you, I don't know if it's like if you end the game as a child or if this is just like a continuation of, because in Ocarina of Time you play as Child Link and then you go to the Temple of Time and you like time travel to become an adult and play it as an adult and you keep going back mm-hmm. and forth. So the, the child timeline that continues, and then there's an adult timeline that continues. So child and adult, it's like you won. Decline is like you lost. Most games fall into the decline timeline. So either Ganon wins or you give up, which is Ganon still wins. Interesting. So child timeline is like Majora's Mask, Twilight Princess, and Four Swords Adventures. Okay. Adult timeline, weirdly, The Wind Waker Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tracks, which seems backwards, but is apparently true. Um, the Decline timeline is A Link to the Past, Link's Awakening, Oracle of Seasons, Oracle of Ages, A Link Between Worlds, Triforce Heroes, Legend of Zelda, Adventure of Link, and then separate from all of these, but falling into one of them somewhere, is Breath of the Wild. Huh. It's I mean, yeah, it kind of is. Okay, so my theory is this. Okay. And I know that it is going to be an unpopular one. Mm-hmm. But as a person who creates creative things, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. here is what I'm going to tell you is the aching truth, everyone, including before. There's like a whole like YouTube community around Zelda theories, by the way. Um, oh, I watch a lot. I was going to say, I would be surprised if there it wasn't a very large group, but yes. Uh, yeah, they take it very seriously. It's boy fan fiction. Um, it is. Let me tell you what the truth is. Nintendo doesn't care. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, obviously. No, I mean, it's, it's Marvel no central timeline. time. There's no Marvel cares more than Nintendo does. There's no central timeline. There's no like they're basically taking all these characters, throwing them into a bag, shaking them up and being like, what'll be fun this time when I pull like the tiles out for Scrabble? Like it's wild to me. Like, and I appreciate it. Like I enjoy watching some of those videos because I think that it's like fun to see people try to like reverse engineer stuff. But like so much of it is predicated on the idea that there's some sort of like intent behind it. And I'm like, they 100% never gave two iotas of thinking to this. Oh, absolutely. In their lives. And I remember, this really I came to this conclusion that not really a conclusion this is just like oh my gosh guys chill when the um, Hyrule Warriors game came out like the the one that's sort of like a fighting game using Breath of the Wild characters and people lost their minds because they were like oh my god what does this say about the timeline and I was like it just confirms to me that they don't care yeah <laughs> and that you like you guys care Nintendo doesn't care yeah Okay, see, I want to disagree, but, like, not 100%, but I'm going to, like, 80% disagree. Okay. I think up until Breath of the Wild, they did not care. Right. I think they do care from Breath of the Wild onwards, and I think that, like, there are games where it matters, and then there are games where it doesn't matter. So, like, I don't think Minish Cap matters. I don't think Oracle of Seasons or Spirit Tracks matters, you know? Mm -hmm. But I do think that, like, Ocarina of Time and Twilight Princess and Skyward Sword and Breath of the Wild, I think all of those matter and do fall into something of a timeline even if it is like one to four people at nintendo who care a lot and then everybody else doesn't care do you know what i mean i know i understand like i understand something 
mattering in its own context. Like, I am sure that the timeline matters within Ocarina of Time, which is about time travel, so God, it has to matter in that, in that game. But I think that in the grand scheme of, like, the Zelda collection, mm -hmm. like, I think we so frequently look at things and they're like, they're sequels or they're prequels. They're, some, they're on some sort of, like, linear time basis. And I think that my particular background in, like, fandom and, like, fan work, like, gives me a lot more leave. And, it, you know, even if you think back to stuff like fucking classical mythology, yeah, it just it gives me a lot more leave to say, like, oh, here are the general themes. Here are the general characters. I'm going to make up my own fan fiction. To quote friend of the podcast, Kate, um, about how this whole thing sets up. And that's how I feel like all of the Zelda games are, is like people coming up with an interesting idea that they want to leverage like this particular set of toys to put together. And I think that the question of timeline is like interesting if you want to pursue it, but like it's like when you have more caveats than actual timeline, it's not a timeline. And I think people should just like accept that. No, I still, I have to disagree. Like when you play Breath of the Wild, when I was exploring that world, I found landmarks from previous games. Like oh, absolutely. the Temple but, of Time. But that doesn't argue that it's not that, I think Prue's got a good point is that it's better to think of Breath of the Wild as like a fanfic of yeah. the world of See, but for me, Zelda. like, Every game before Breath of the Wild, definitely fanfic. But when you hit Breath of the Wild, like I'm like, this to me feels like where they got serious about it or where they decided to change strategies because they know that people want continuity. Like, even if they're starting from now, for me, this is where I, it happens. I, it no, I think very I'm curious to see whether or not that's actually true. And I don't think that we'll know until we have like two more games. Yeah. In, in this universe, if they even decide to do it, well, I right? think I like, think the Breath of the Wild. See, I'm saying Breath of the Wild sequel, but I mean that's basically what it is. It's not necessarily even a Zelda sequel so much as it's specifically the Breath of the Wild to this sequel. One game, yeah. Whenever that comes coming out, mm -hmm. I think that being clearly in the same universe as Breath of the Wild will answer a lot of our questions. So, yeah. I think it'll answer some, but like Prue says, we need more than yeah. one because Majora's Mask is a direct sequel to Ocarina right. of Time, but the game after it yeah. isn't. They were like, we liked this universe. We want to play it in yeah. it a little longer. Like they were like, uh, maybe. And then they like went off in a different I was gonna direction. But I honestly think that Breath of the Wild has the potential to be the one that changes now, can everything. I can I add my uh, thoughts as to how the timeline works? Yeah, let's hear it. Yeah, I don't care. Yes, I mean that's Fully, that's yes. honestly that's honestly what it is. It is very much because, and I think that you know, as Prue said, you know, our my for me my background as being somebody who likes fanfic most of the time more than I like whatever the canon material is. Um, that's very much how I approach this game, which is like I don't really care if this is supposed, you know you know, Zelda and Link's relationship is X, Y, Z from this game. It's like, that's not relevant to me because this is happening. And also, I think one of the things that I really love about Breath of the Wild is that it so clearly takes some stuff from what happened before and completely ignores a lot of other stuff. One of my favorite places in the entire game is the Lost Woods because it's, so it's cool. from the original game. And the original game is this section of game that 
if you were an eight-year-old in the 1980s, this blew your goddamn <laughs> mind. Because what would happen uh, is you would, go in, how to get yeah, you would go into a screen and it would look just like an innocuous piece of, like an, an innocuous screen that you would just have to go through. But every time you, quote unquote, did it wrong, you would get whisked off by a whirlwind and you would be taken back to the, to the, to the, back of the thing it's a to be clear the level is each screen is a square yeah. and there is an entrance or exit on each side of yes. the square and if you take the wrong exit you yes start exactly over. and so you have to memorize was, the well, path which they did also in i was gonna say time. well and i and and most video games have done some sort of thing like that um ever since because it's an incredibly clever uh way to make an eight-year-old cry um but <laughs> yes I, True facts, that was one of the first times I ever um, cheated, quote unquote, in a video game by going to the local comic book store, which was also the local video game seller, and buying a book of Zelda cheat codes or Zelda, like, you know, Material basically like here's here's where to find this and here's where to, like a yeah guide basically book? Guide. Like a, yeah okay. but it wasn't it wasn't you know from Nintendo it was it was it was like an, it, oh, it was, like it was off, off market off I, I believe it was Xeroxed yeah. like I remember this very clearly <laughs> and and looking for the because I remember just being so frustrated and like spending three whole dollars that I may or may not have stolen from my parents um, to buy it it's so. Fine. Um, <laughs> I kept a notebook next to the video game consoles in our house with like oh, a yeah. pen, and I would take copious oh, yeah. notes. Like I, I, this notebook would be like, "This is the path through the Lost Woods. These are the lyrics to yep. the opera in Final Fantasy yep. VI." I was like, gonna say, "Here's what you need I, to know." I, this is off the off this topic, but I remember uh, one of the video games my parents did let me play was Mist, which I can hear people saying, "That's not oh, a video game." I definitely got the guy, but it is a video that. game, and um, I definitely had like. Not just notes, a notebook that was my missed notebook. Mm. And I should see if they're still yeah. somewhere in the house because, you know, that was very important to me. Anyway. Missed was the first time yeah. I bought a guidebook because I was like, I'm going to exactly. But anyway, so back to what I was talking about, The Lost Woods. One of the things that I think Breath of the Wild does so incredibly well is it does not give a lot of winks to any of the old games um, so much as it uses them in a very, I don't know, respectful way. Um, you know, a lot of the, the character designs, like the Lionels, are from the first game, you know, and they are incredibly hard in that very first game. But the way that they are incredibly hard in Breath of the Wild is completely different and completely unrecognizable in terms of game strategy, but is also for somebody who had played that first game is like, oh shit, you know? And it's just, I, I, I really find the timeline of Zelda to be much more, much less interesting than the um, universe or the world of Zelda that they draw upon in order to make Breath of the Wild so interesting. You know? Yeah. I guess I, like I don't think of it as like they are like this happens and then this happens and then like these are the games in right. this order. Um, but especially I think they did this a lot in um, the one where you're on a boat and then Ocarina of Time and then this one and Skyward Sword. Like Wind Waker? those I think those four yeah, yeah Wind Waker. Um, 
especially in Wind Waker, like the way that they talk about Link and about the main character in that game, because it's not mm-hmm. Link, it's this guy and his yeah. sister, his, right? The way that they talk about that really shaped the way I think about like the timeline of Zelda, which is not this game, this game, mm-hmm. this game. It's this inherited prophecy, and it, it's very flexible, and it could happen to multiple people, and it's definitely happening in either the same world or parallel worlds. Like, it's messier than the timeline mm-hmm. is, but for me, it is all connected, and it is all pulled together. It's just not exactly the way that it is laid out in Hyrule Historia or online. Yeah. Again, fanfic. Yeah, 100%. No. <laughs> it, it, it's very much fanfic. And I think that that's part of what I think is really interesting about Breath of the Wild, to Gus's point, where it pull, it, it does it in a way that, like, the best fanfic does yes. it, right? Where it pulls all, like, the most intriguing little pieces, and it fits it together in this, like, really dense, lush universe where if you come in as a complete... Um, like noob. noob like you've no background whatsoever yeah you can appreciate it in its own context but if you do come in and you know like the full history of it you can be like oh my gosh like i recognize this thing oh my gosh i recognize this other thing but for me having none of the background i just look at it and see this like utterly complete filled in world with this deep sense of lived in history yeah i mean like i've talked about this before but like my part, like the one sort of like DLC that I would pay for for this game, because I have not bought the DLC for Breath of the Wild, because when I looked into it, it seemed the DLC could just be subtitled other ways for Prue to lose and die. Um, yeah, I mean honestly, I would pay, f- <laughs> I would pay for a DLC that would turn off all the enemies in this game. Yeah, like. I would love to just explore things. Like this is my biggest complaint about Breath of the Wild not joking, is that I'm obsessed with the promenade in Faron. You know that giant, like, I don't even know mm-hmm. how to describe it, like that giant, like, archaeological ruin promenade in Faron region? Yeah, yeah, I love that place, and I just want to climb around it like a crazy person, but there's, like, 1,000 angry lizards there well, get the that mask. kill me. It, I don't... I think you can only get the mask if you have the DLC. Oh, the monster DLC uh, is Yeah, you're right. Oh no no no. The I could well, get I could on. get the lizard mask from the monster. Yeah, the monster guy, guy. and not Majora's mask. But I mean what I really want is not to even have them there. Yeah. I just want to crawl all over like the ruins and like map them out and learn more about like what are these ruins from? Like, is all the art Zora? Like, um, not Zora, uh, Zonai? Like, I want to, like, I want a tour version of this world. Yes. Like, no baddies, just climbing around looking at all the stuff. I mean, on, and yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, honestly, one of the things that I really would, I, and, and conversely, I would pay for a DLC where the fucking Blood Moon didn't reanimate everybody, all the bad guys, and you could just yes, kill the like, bad guys and they'd be gone. Yeah, if I could do that, like, if I could turn off the blood moon and oh just, like... Oh, my God. Just, like, go, like, okay, I'm sucking it up. I'm going to go through. I'm going to, like, absolutely savagely murder everything. Exactly. And then, like, have full reign to explore anything. That would actually be an awesome mode. And I was going to say... See, I want the blight gone so that I can look at the buildings. That would yeah. also be very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, we, we, we definitely have some strong feelings about what could make this game... Uh, Hoyden always says she wants archaeology yes, mode. Yes, I do too. And I desperately want, like, 
please. I don't know. Breath of the Wild 2. Breath please. of the Wild Animal I, Crossing. <laughs> New Horizons. I want Breath of the Wild. <laughs> Breath of the Wild Zelda's science adventure. Oh like, God. I'm in. He gets a little, he gets a little lab coat. And like little stuff. Okay. Anyway, I want just Princess Zelda doing science, and Link is along, like carrying her bugs and stuff. Oh my you know? god, that would just be so brilliant, guys! And Nintendo needs to hire us. Clearly, um, <laughs> no, I think I think uh, yeah. One of the one of the one of the drawbacks to this game is the enemies. To be honest, um, because they're just so ubiquitous like there's just you can't get anywhere without just having you know one of the fucking goblins on horseback you know trying to kill you or a guardian trying to kill you or you know lizards trying to tongue you like it's it's really annoying thank you for making that so much worse than it already i mean okay the the first time one of those lizards shot out its tongue at me i literally went no Gus does not consent to lizard tongue. <laughs> her audio also just cut out. She was so upset by it that her audio just went out. <laughs> yep. We've lost her. Uh, she's uh, probably, she's like, probably okay, like I'm back. going through some no, sort I'm of. No, I'm back. There we go. No, there we go. You're so angry this, about the lizard <sighs> I was <tongue>. so angry. <laughs> <laughs> I keep looking at my audio recording and like the wavelength keeps going. Uh, you need to tone it down. Like, Sorry. <laughs> anyway yeah no i was very the, the lizards are just not great which is one reason why I actually one of the first things that i did once i f- well i didn't even find the monster guy i i cheated to find out what the monster guy was all about um whatever his name mm-hmm. is Kur- it's not kurok karog something starts with a k uh, isn't that a coffee anyway drink? i don't know i always I, I saw his balloon thing and i was like what's that? And I like flew right down to him and I was like, it's either going to kill me or it's going to be gems. And I, was, I was going to say he's one of my favorites and I literally bought all of the masks and I use them all the time because I just don't feel like dealing with those guys. You know, I bought all the masks, but then I also bought like a, an illicit amiibo card set on eBay so that I could get all the like guardian stuff. And it is so I was going to say, I feel like that's one big drawback of breath of the wild is that if like so much of your, uh, I mean, and this is probably one way that they make money, but like if so much of the DLC is like here's so you don't have to deal with X, Y, Z bad guy, like that may be an indication that something has gone wrong in the design, but whatever, that's probably another conversation to have um i will say one of the outfits that you can get from the either from the legit amiibos or from your illicit (laughs) amiibo card collection um is a full ganon outfit where you are human ganon and everything is afraid of you and it's hilarious that would be pretty great i do i i will say i think your night i will say that like i I guess that, like, I, I don't know enough about, like, enemy design in video games to have, like, a really informed opinion Ugh. on it. But I will say that, like, I don't like fighting. Like, it's not the reason I'm ever playing yeah. a game. And I wish that, like, the Blood Moon thing that you raised is, like, it would be perfect for me if there was a way to play this game where... I'm not, like, unwilling to do the fighting because I think it is a really important contributing factor to the story that the game is telling. So, like, yes, I will absolutely get pounded into the sand over and over again 
because of the narrative importance of that. But like if at some point I could just like turn that shit off and like be able to just wander around the world, that would be ideal. But I also suspect like one of the consistent things that I hear about people complaining about with this game is that they don't find the combat compelling. Yeah, the combat's but not great. I find it well, I find it really weird because, like, to me, anyways, it's like I don't like the combat, but it's not because I don't think it's not compelling. I just don't like yeah. combat. So is this the type of game that you would play even if you like fighting? Because, like, this doesn't feel like a I was going to say, game. well, that's one of the... Yes. Well, yeah, if. I guess. Because Monge plays this on master mode, which means that she is fighting Golden Lynels on the plateau, and she thinks that's super fun. Versus I'm like... One, killing these, like, I don't like fighting. Two, sometimes I do find it satisfying because I love the ragdoll animation of, like, when goblins and moblins and things just go flying. Like, that's very satisfying to me. But it feels like a Sisyphean effort because of the blood moon. Yeah. So, like, after a certain point, there's no point in me killing things anymore except for, like, to upgrade my equipment. But at some point, you, like, you gutter out on upgrades, right? Like, you can max out your upgrades. Like, yeah. it's also, there's also, like, a weird thing that, like, I didn't know for sure whether the game was doing it until I got really late game, and then I looked it up, and I think it actually is happening, where as your level increases in the game, the enemies get harder and harder, right? So, like, yes. when you start the game, like, most of the enemies... No, 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 but you know what I mean. Like, most of the goblins that you run into are, like, red goblins, yeah. And they're, like, mm-hmm. the easiest to kill. And most of, like, the enemies have, like, this one particular type of weapon. So, like, one of the things that I was doing after I had, like, killed Ganon, and then I was just, like, running around um, Hyrule, kind of, like, doing mm-hmm. stuff was I was going back through and, like, picking up side quests, like, stuff that I hadn't done the first time or things I, like, hadn't finished the first time because I have this, like, very completionist sense when it comes to this game. Like, I want to 100% this game, which is an insane thing to try and do for (laughs) many reasons, and I will probably never finish, but it's, like, a little thing where, like, I go into this, like, Zelda coal mine every, like, couple of weeks, and I'll put in an hour or two of, like, looking for Koroks, and it makes me happy on Mm -hmm. some level. But um, one of the side quests I wanted to do was... I can't remember if it's, like, Kakariko Village or, like, Hateno Village. It's one of the ones that's in one of the early sections. There's a little boy who wants to look at all these, like, random weapons from around the world. And one of the weapons that he wants to see is, like, a moblin club or something like that. Like, something a relatively early game weapon. I am now 250 hours into this game. I cannot find this weapon because none of the baddies that I am now fighting have it. It just does not exist. I was going to say, I had the same problem with Traveler's Sword because I didn't, I didn't do his quest, yes. quest until pretty late on. And I was like, it took me... I, I actually did eventually find one, but like it took a while. And now I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> so it, It's going to be a problem yeah. consistently through the rest of his yeah. requests because like, if you do not start doing his shit until like, you've murdered Ganon, you're like, every single thing that's like being dropped is now like... At minimum, like a soldier sword or a knight's exactly. sword, something yeah. like that. Like you're just not. I will say, if you getting. want the soldier's traveling sword, all you have to do is go to uh, the volcano, and any of those guys who like spit rocks at you, the little balloon monsters, they will have it. That makes sense. But okay, anyway, but what about if I want like a moblin club? Because <laughs> I literally can't. Yeah, then find you just gotta like, 
You gotta get that early. Sorry. <laughs> you're bummed. Yeah. No, but, I was, but the reason that you find the traveler's sword next to those dudes is because, like, normally you would throw a bomb into them and they would blow up, right? Right. If you throw the sword at it, like a rusty right. sword, it comes out clean and sharp and ready to go. Interesting. But this is like they spit it back at you, but they've done work on it. Correct, which is very helpful. This is actually one of the things that I wanted us to cover in this story, um, or in this story in this podcast, was about like how it, this game came out in what, like twenty seventeen. Yeah. It's not twenty twenty one. People are still finding funny little things in this yeah. game that were not like glitches that are just like put in there intentionally. So like I saw this like crazy YouTube video the other week where someone was like, you can feed every animal in this game. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, cause I knew you could feed the dogs and the horses apples, but you can feed every animal in this game. You can feed, um, like if you see deer, you, if you drop an apple like far away from them and then you hide because they run away really quickly, they will eat the apple. You can feed the squirrels. You can evidently feed the fish in this yes. game. And so now that's like another thing that I need to do is go in and feed all. Oh, by the way, you can feed the um, uh, the weird horse Lord of the Mountain guy. You can feed him apples. You I can? did it. It was the most amazing thing in my life. Sorry. Okay, so now I need to go feed the Lord of the Mountain. Um, <laughs> first, I gotta go wait for him to show up again on a rainy. I still have night. to feed the sand seal. Yes, Patricia, you definitely yes. do. The no, I think seal. I think one of the things that is so wonderful about this game is that because it is so big um, and mm-hmm. so complex, and yet again so simplistically designed, they were able to just cram in so many. Like, uh, for example, the Lord of the Mountain thing, where like. I knew that that was a thing, but I had not, like, was not looking for it. And then I was looking for shooting stars one time, and I saw, Mm -hmm. I just happened to notice that there was a mountain glowing in the distance. And I was like, that's weird. Okay. And then I, like, truckled on over to there. And I saw the Lord of the Mountain with his little bloopy cadre and I just remember (laughs) sitting there. I I was with you guys, remember? I was like... Where mm-hmm. am where am what is this? And you guys were like, oh yeah, that's the that's the misty area where the Lord of the Mountain hangs out. And I was just so blown away by this little and as far as I know, there's really no meaning. There's no, there's no story, story reason. reason. For it. There's no story reason for it. It's just a I cool did ride thing. into a stable. And no, I know, stable I know, which is very sad. Bad. I, I also tried to do that with a bone horse, and they will not let you stable him. Yeah, I did that, horse. too. I was going to say, the number of things that we really should be able to stable that we are not able to stable. Although I will say, probably, it's good that they won't let you stable a bear. I don't think that's kind. If the, the monster bear guy is my friend. opened a stable... There you go. He would let you Again, yes, that would be awesome. <laughs> He's like, new new feature, let me staple your beast. Oh my god, I would fucking love that. Can you imagine? Like, if you want your, if you want Lord of the Mountain, bear, giant deer, or bone horse, yes. you have to Kilton, that's his name. You have to go to Kilton. That's it. You have to Kilton. go to Kilton. He's finally gotten a brick and mortar shop. He's no longer in his little pop-up, so, uh, you know, food I'm, truck monster. I'm trying monster. to imagine what his, like, his stable would look like if Kilton designed it. It would be delightful. <laughs> 
It'll be so good. It'll be so good. It'll look very good. Okay. So these are all like a ton of really great ideas for a potential sequel for Breath of the Wild. And we could obviously talk about this until the heat death of the universe, but we have to pull this episode to a conclusion. Yes. So I thought what would be a great thing for us to close on is what do we want out of Breath of the Wild 2? What do we think is going to be in Breath of the Wild 2? And let me just go ahead and say, I am so horny for Breath of the Wild 2 that I've started watching video game content on the internet because I keep wanting any fucking details about Breath of the Wild 2 and none of them exist. Welcome to the pain Sorry, of pal. really of, of pre-release because I have, I have felt this way about... about a half dozen games in my life, and it is torture. How do you live like I, this? It's horrible. I, I live bad. I live bad, guys. <laughs> you knew this. You knew I was trouble when I walked in, okay? It's just, it's wild because <sighs> I think that, like, I've never been a fan of something that takes this long. Yeah. Before, like, <laughs> romance novels, like, put, like usually when you have a series of romance novels, they're designed in a way that they, like, all release within, like, a one or two year right. window, even if they're a series of, like, four or five yeah. books. For movies, the most you're going to be waiting, like, for a Marvel film is, like, you're probably going to get another one in, like, a year or two years yeah. max, barring a global <laughs> pandemic. And even then, they're going to give me Winter Soldier and Falcon. Yeah. Um, it, it, so this whole thing where it's, like... The last game came out in 2017. It's 2021, and people are like, oh, yeah, like, the first game took seven years. And I'm like, yeah. I don't, I'm not going to survive no, no. this. Well, no, listen, I, I mean, I, I completely sympathize, but also I have been waiting for Dragon Age 4 since 2014. So, like... <laughs> are they actually making yes, it? Yes, they're making it. They're just holding it. They're withholding it from me. <laughs> The best part for me of this conversation is that Prue doesn't know how long people waited for the next. Oh, Doom okay, game. yeah, Doom. I was gonna say, look up Doom Forever if you ever want a really good laugh, uh, Prue. You would, you would, you would actually, you would people find, you would find so the meta long. behind the Doom games hilarious. And I'm guessing there are some really good YouTube videos about it. So look that up. Like oh, I yeah, hate nobody, Doom, and I, I would never love play it. Hearing about how people suffered for getting say, for Doom. Duke Nukem. Oh God. Wait, They're not did, Doom, not Duke Nukem. Already, well, Duke Nukem as well, but yeah, Doom and Duke Nukem both are hilariously the 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 wait between games was part of the it, it, yeah both of those games. It, it's it feels churlish for me to complain about how long it's taking for this game to come out because like uh, if I welcome read a to book being a gamer, if I watch this is what gamers do. Well, no. I, <laughs> But I feel churlish because, like, if I read a book, if I watch a movie, that's, like, several hours or several days of entertainment. Like, I clearly put, like, 200 plus, like, 250 hours mm -hmm. into this game, right? Like, you've created something that I've spent, like, an actually embarrassing amount of time on. So, like, I should not complain, and it, I should just be grateful for how long, like, or how good it is that you were able to nah. make it. But it just, like, it still feels wild that it's been like four years now and I have no idea when the next game is going to come out and like that hurts my soul <laughs> maybe you should uh, start another log and have to fight Thunderbolt again <laughs> no you know uh, what I was going to say I think that that's the opposite I was going to say Prue, Prue if you ever do decide to do another log call me when you get to Thunderblight Ganon I will come down and I will do it for you I feel like that's also cheating yeah I don't care yeah, and 
I feel like I got more out of the game each time I played yeah. it. I would I would say for, for for me for most replay for most games when I replay it I get a lot more out of the second playing. But anyway, okay. So what we want from the uh, Breath of the Wild two, yes. aka Zelda Part Twelve Thousand, um, <laughs> kind of all of the stuff that we mentioned uh, unironically. Like I want to be able to ride more things and have them as pets. Um, mm-hmm. Want to be able to pet dogs. Yes. Yeah, please yeah. add dog petting. That's actually yeah. really important. Um, <laughs> which I know sounds like a, and it is a dumb thing to want. But like one of the things that I really loved about the game was how interactive it was, and because you can be so interactive with the dogs, it felt honestly kind of weird that you couldn't pet them. So weird. Yeah. Right? Like I think the first time I ran into a dog, like you were playing with the dog and you could feed yep. the dog. And then it was just really weird that I couldn't pet the dog. And this is like actually stupid. I but I felt bad. Oh, yeah. I was Absolutely. like, I love you. I want to pet you, but the game exactly. Is well, and it, it's actually really it's it's kind of a joke um, that when uh, Red Dead Redemption Two came out, because it came out about a year mm-hmm. and a half after Breath of the Wild came out, they also have dogs and you can pet them. And that was like Important. something that people are like, that's a I selling point. Yeah, exactly. I was like, guys, <laughs> you can pet dogs. Like, <laughs> I'm sure yeah. I would hope, I would hope that Nintendo got I was going to say, yeah. Because like, that was the very first thought I had when I ran into a dog. I was like, oh my God, there's a dog. Why can't exactly. I pet this dog? <laughs> Yes, anyway. So unironically, that is one, one, one of the things I want. I would love to have more interaction. I don't know where Zelda's going to, like, the character of Zelda is going to be in this game um, mm-hmm. in terms of like, is she going to be somebody that you can talk to interact with or whatever? I would love to just have her actually like be there in some way, mm-hmm. even though I know that a lot of the Zelda games, the whole point is that you are like rescuing her or she's somewhere else and you have to free her or whatever. But like, I feel like this game, you can have her be more of a person you know, I also feel like, and maybe this is just based on what I quote unquote know mm-hmm. of her in the Breath of the Wild game. I feel like I don't know if they would ever do this. I would love to be able to play as Zelda because I think that Zelda would let you do a lot of other things. Oh, so like God, I think that Link is very good for like physical yeah, fighting. Yeah, if, if you right? had her like, as the mage to his warrior, yeah. Yeah, like if I could use like magic or like technology even, right? Because she has like robots and stuff like that. Like that would be really cool. Neither of you guys have played Ocarina of Time. Yeah, I mean, I know what happens where you can play as her a little bit. You don't really play as her, but okay, so Prue, in Ocarina of Time, Zelda gets kidnapped and you can like time travel back and forth. Mm -hmm. Um, When you go into the future, you meet this really cool ninja, and it's this dude who has, like, a a name and always appears when you're in different places and, like, teaches you songs on your ocarina and, like, gives you some advice and then, like, beats the shit out of something and pieces out. Guess who it is. Yeah. It's Zelda. (laughs) She, like, got kidnapped, was rescued by essentially the Gerudo. They took her in. They were like, you're a ninja now, (laughs) and, like, raised her to be, like, a super ninja. It was amazing. So if you got to play as Zelda, I would fully want it to be like, she goes back Gerudo. to the, what's that village? Co- no, the, sorry, I got the name wrong. What's the village where you keep going back to for your main quest in oh, this Oh, Kakariko yeah, Village. village. Yeah, or Haikat. Yeah, if you keep going back there and like, they teach her how to be a ninja, they're like, last lifetime, we taught you science. This lifetime, I was going to say the little skills. old lady, uh, imp- not, it was it Impa? Yeah. Yes. Impa. Yes. 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 Like, 
Impa should fully train her to be a ninja, and I would be that there would be at amazing. 800%. So she would be the rogue and the mage. That would be, I would be fine with that. That would be incredible. What a combo. Um, I will say, like, there are things I want from the Zelda sequel, and then there's, like, what I think will happen in the Zelda sequel. Tell us and what you want first, things. and then tell us what you think will actually happen, because I'm very curious yeah. about this. I want full-on archaeology Zelda science adventure mode, yes. where, like, Zelda is doing science, and you just get to, like, learn about the history of Hyrule. Maybe you have to fight monsters sometimes, but, like, for the most part, it is, like, like a, a camping and exploration game with, like, mm-hmm. resource gathering. Uh, you know that that's my shit, so yes. Agreed. No, I would play that as well. <laughs> It'll never happen. No. It'll never happen. It's what I want. <laughs> Um, what I think, wait, Prue, what do you want to happen? Oh, okay. So this is colored in by some of like the, both the trailer that we saw as well as some of like the commentary that's been going around about Zelda Breath of the Wild 2, which is like not significant, but like everyone is saying that it's like a darker story than the original Breath of the Wild, which, um, I was going to say because I'm a giant. Also the first one was dark enough. Thank you. Well, yeah. yeah, and I'm, like, a giant puss, so, like, I really don't want this to be scary. But I would also love, like, an archaeology mystery-ish game. Like, I would love it if, you know, like, one of the pieces of the original Breath of the Wild that, like, we did not talk about at length, but, like, it was my favorite discovery in the game because it was something that I had not spoiled myself for. So this is, like, this is the thing that I'm, like, committing to doing now on the podcast and I'm really going to hold myself to when I play Breath of the Wild 2 is, like, I looked up so much stuff in Breath of the Wild, like, the first one because I didn't know how to play games very well and I really was, like, very nervous and I wanted to check that I was doing things right and it took a really long time for me to realize that, like, half the fun was just, like, fucking around and finding mm-hmm. out, right? So mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm gonna spend, like, I'm going to commit to not looking stuff mm-hmm. up for Breath of the Wild 2 because one of the most magical moments of the original game was when I stumbled upon a labyrinth for the first oh, time. Oh, yes. Like, yes. I didn't know that those existed. I found the one that was in um, the snowy region. I think that was the first one mm-hmm. I found. Hebra? Yes. And I, like, I was just like, what the fuck is that? And, like, I went over and I was like, this is amazing. And I, like, didn't know anything about it. And I didn't look up, like, how to get through the labyrinth. I just, like, spent so much time in there and, like, explored every nook and cranny. And I loved so much, like, the tense sort of, like, mystery crawling nature of that. Like, I would love something like that, but expanded out. I also loved, like, so much of, like, the puzzle stuff that was in all of the different shrines. And I keep reading that like the traditional Zelda format is that there's more dungeon stuff. Like, so more like puzzle shrines, but only giant. And I would love for more of those to show up in the game. Like I like them in little bite-sized pieces, but I think I would like them even better if they were in like the giant um, themed sort of thing that the traditional Zelda dungeon was apparently made up of. I haven't played Mm -hmm. them, but I think that that's really cool. Like part of the, like one of the downers of the divine beast was they all were kind of like ugly and Brown inside. And if each of them was like really Mm -hmm. different and had like a fun theme and like art direction to it, I think that would be really cool. And I would also obviously love archeology span Zelda. It's, it's less like what I want out of it and more what I hope they don't get rid of. Like I loved the sense of like being able to do whatever the fuck I wanted to and like kind of run around and try all sorts of different things. I want them to keep cooking. 
I want like an entirely new set of accessories and cute outfits that I can get for Link. And if Zelda's in the game is someone I can play, I would also like a separate set. I would like a se cute separate set, but also for, for them to be able to swap clothes because that would be cute as hell. I want, yes, I want them basically to be able to wear whatever the heck they want. But like, I loved like getting them little outfits that had different like powers and tools. Oh, absolutely. And, stuff. and that did mm -hmm. make for some really hideous outfits sometimes for Link when I was playing the game. But it was it was still like a really fun piece. So like, I think that's what I really want is I want just like a lot more of what we already mm -hmm. got. And also, this is, like, just another random one. I want to be able to, like, go underwater. Because that was one of the things that was really killer about Breath of the Wild is, like, you could see stuff in the water that looked really neat, and you, like, couldn't go under the yeah. surface. And I was like, don't do this to me. Which so. is interesting, because in past Zelda games, you can go underwater, and you have to. Yeah, and th and this one is just, like, the especially, like, in Luralind Village, like, on the God, coast. Yes. yes. You know, it looks so beautiful. And, like, I was like, there has to be something in this water I can do, well, right? Well, also <laughs> just being... Like the, the 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 fish guys, I can't remember their names, but like, yeah, the Zora. Yeah, the Zora. I would love to have like, I mean, I, I one of the things that I was kind of weirded out was like, why is there city on top? Why why isn't there city underwater? Yes, why isn't it underwater? I was very confused. I'm guessing they're okay, dolphins. So in every but, other game, yeah. in every other game, the Zora yeah. are underwater, mm -hmm. and the king is yeah. King Dorafun. Um and. Typically, the water temple is the hardest part of any Zelda game. So this is also what really surprised me about Breath of the Wild, that, like, the water, like, Varuta is yeah. so easy. Because <laughs> I was like, but in any other game, that is the hardest thing you yeah. have to do in well, the Well, and it's game. also, I think it's the most hand-holdy part of the game, too, but that's back to di game design play, which we didn't really touch on. But, you know, you're, you're going to have many of yeah. these episodes, I'm sure, so... Well, well, I think we'll have to do like a second I was gonna say. wild episode because I feel like I have so, much so many feelings about this game, but yes. Um. <laughs> but yeah, uh, MK, you never said what you think is actually going to happen. Or, oh, actually, what do you want out of this game, Gus? Oh, oh, so, well, other than the, the horses and the doggies, um, I yes. think, honestly, one of the things that I really want is much more of a sense of completion at the end of the game. Something mm. that I think a lot of uh, AAA games have been kind of punking out on um, is what what you can do after the game is over, so to speak. Because, and it's it's a real problem with with open world games in general. But I was really frustrated by the fact that once you win Breath of the Wild, nothing. Like nothing changes. Nothing changes. Yes. Okay. Fully I was agree. like, I yeah. would. Why? Yeah. Why can't there? It, I mean, there was literally no reason for there not to be, you know, a fundamental change in the game. Because if you if you talk about how it would work from a from from um, designing it, that actually isn't a big ask. You know, you are you're mm -hmm. changing a couple of things in the game, and it's not really a big deal. Um, and the fact that they kind of punked out on that really disappointed me. So one of the things that I want from Breath of the Wild 2 is an epilogue that does not punk out um, at the end because it was just so frustrating you know, for me. You know what would have been incredible? Mm. Instead of, like, even the Blood Moon idea, which would yeah. have been great, if, like, once you beat Ganon, 
you could basically just explore the world without exactly. monsters. Or like if you killed all the monsters that were still existent, they would Yeah, come exactly. Back because it was like a world brought to peace. Like that would have been, and you wouldn't have had to like give me anything yeah. else. Like that would have been like the best present is to be able to just like go through the world and like explore exactly. things. And it was just all stuff that you already exactly. made. Exactly, exactly. I, I completely agree. And it was just, that was I think one of the biggest frustrations for me in the game um and one reason why once I beat it I haven't touched it since because I'm like you know um so I think that that is a big thing that I want as far as what I expect to have happen I don't know that I expect them to give us that um I do (laughs) expect there to be a little bit more in the way of um uh I think the combat they're gonna make try to make it more interesting while kind of preserving the way that it worked in this game, I hope. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, in terms of story, I really have no idea what to expect. Um, I have not watched the trailer for like a year, so I don't even remember what's the trailer for for two. So um, I don't really have any expectations per se. I think it's going to be good. I think I'm going to enjoy it. Um, I just want to be able to pet dogs, guys. Just let me let me do that. Yes, please. <laughs> Uh, MK, what were you, what are your expectations? (laughs) Just saying, I have wants. (laughs) Yeah, you guys have, like, set the bar really high. Yes. Um, yeah. So, one of the important things about the Mm storyline of Breath of the Wild is that the reason they have the Divine Beasts and the Guardians is because they excavated them. Mm -hmm. Like, they did a big archaeology task, and I think that once the blight is cleared, either by now that Zelda's holy powers have awakened, maybe she removes it like piece by piece Mm. or it all disappears when Ganon has died. Cause we didn't see the -hmm. world after that. Um, I think that she and you go underground and find like more things from the past, which would be from these other timelines that you Mm -hmm. guys don't believe in. (laughs) Um, And I think that some of that past is going to reflect badly on Hyrule, and some of it is, like, there's probably a different Blight or other Ganon-type stuff down there that you essentially release or awaken. Do you think that, like, it's an accidental, like, oh, shitsies, or that they're doing it on purpose? I think it's an oh, shitsies. Okay. Like, I think Zelda is like, I'm going to clear this Blight. Holy shit, there's something in here that we can excavate. You start excavating. And then, like, blight pours out of it, and there's, like, you know, because there are other bad guys in the Zelda. It's not always Ganon. What's really interesting, and you can tell that, like, I've watched this, like, stupid video 120 million times, is that there's a part where, like, you can see all of, like, the blue glowing shit, like, flow into Link's Mm -hmm. arm. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. what the fuck is this going to be? Because, like, I guess I just assume, and I don't know whether or not, like, there's any basis on this assumption, that, like, all the stuff that was established in Breath of the Wild will return in Breath of the Wild, too. Like, so the runes with, like, Magnesis and, like, Cryonis and stuff. I was just like, oh, well, that'll be there again. But then I was watching this, like, trailer again before we actually started doing this recording, and I was like, hmm, all this blue gunk is flowing into Link's arm. I wonder if they're giving Link a magic arm instead. <laughs> just we won't have Cryonis <laughs> and Magnesis, because maybe that stuff will be with Zelda. Like, maybe she will mm. be the one with the Sheikah tablet and have those as her powers, and Link will have a magic arm that does something else. That would be interesting. Maybe. It's also, we can't 
we can't get fully into it in this episode because I think we're running out of time, but this also depends on whether or not Breath of the Wild 2 takes place in the Hyrule Warriors timeline or the Breath of the Wild yes. timeline. True. Truly. Um, the timeline in this is unfathomable and a nightmare. <laughs> Welcome where the timeline does is made up and the points don't matter. Um, so matter. <laughs> <laughs> disagree. Disagree. Sorry, okay. Babe. I think that we have um, talked for a really long time on this. Clearly, we're going to have to revisit Breath of the Wild in another episode. We didn't even get hey, to the shake maybe. of sleep thing. I know. Sorry. I know. No. Maybe what we There's will do is when we get more news on Breath of the Wild 2, we can reconvene and talk Breath of the Wild 2 and talk a little bit more about Breath of the Wild 1. How I would that love that. Awesome. Very good. So that wraps us up for our feature topic this week. Before we go, we wanted to give everyone an opportunity for our recommendations for what to play or what to do um, as we all wait for 100 Years Dungeon <laughs> on Breath of the Wild <laughs> So who wants to get us started? Yeah. I can go first. Okay. Uh, because we were doing the Zelda episode, I picked a Zelda game. Um, this is for the Nintendo DS or DS Lite, I believe. Um, the game is Zelda A Link Between Worlds. So this is a Zelda game that takes a lot of the like old original Zelda like Game Boy type games um, and kind of remixes them into something really interesting. And the ability or like the like key differentiator in this game is that Link gets the ability to turn two dimensional and he can like stick onto a wall or surface and then move through cracks inside buildings into paintings. That sounds that amazing, and it would also um, give the, me nightmares. It's super fun. Well, you see him. Like, he turns into art, essentially. I will say, like, it's not scary. It's sometimes, like, you see him, he turns into, like, a piece of art that looks mm -hmm. very funny on the wall. But, like, if there is a piece of treasure in the wall, you can turn into Link, get behind it because you're two-dimensional, and then turn back into 3D Link and push it out of the wall at the same time That as does you. sound kind of fun. So, like... There's some pretty cool mechanics in this game, and it's just like a very fun DS very cool. game. Now, have they cool. have they ported it to Switch? Um, I haven't checked, but I Yikes. don't think yet. Yeah, I was gonna say I was. That seems like a missed you'll opportunity. You'll have to get a cheap yeah. DS. Yeah, I feel like at this point they really should have just ported everything to Switch because a lot of the people who really like I mean, Breath of the Wild have been going through a lot of the old games. It, that all takes resources, and I think they've got some other stuff going on with work from well, home this right is now. Yeah, they seem very bad at work from home. I mean, yeah. Anyways, who wants to go next uh, on I'll games? I'll go real quick. Um, my uh, recommendation is actually a game that came out almost exactly the same time as Breath of the Wild, which is Horizon Zero Dawn, um, which is still Ooh. probably my favorite standalone game that I've played. Um, it is both somewhat like Breath of the Wild and very different. Um, it's a uh, PS4 exclusive, um, which means if you don't have a PlayStation 4 or now 5, you cannot play it. Uh, so this is probably going to be relevant to like four people who are listening to this. Um, but basically <laughs> you play, it is uh, very much another kind of, you are born as the chosen one with no memory or understanding of why you are ch the chosen one. So a lot like Link. Mm -hmm. um, but you, mm -hmm. uh, but the character of Aloy, who's the main character, is much more of a, it's not an RPG. You are, she is definitely not a cipher. 
Um, she has a very strong personality. And I'd actually say that the story and the characters within Horizon Zero Dawn are the main reason why I love it as much as I do. Um, the central conceit of the game is that it is a post-apocalyptic world in which machines have taken over the role of most animals. Um, so you will see, you know, 100-foot giraffes that are actually um, towers, basically like towers like in Link, where it gives you a bigger part of the map. Um, there are Tyrannosaurus Rexes that are machines, and you have to be able to, like, take them down. And there's uh, the, the, the combat... Uh, and gameplay mechanic is much more satisfying in Horizon Zero Dawn because it is, you have much more of a sense of accomplishment. Um, and there's literally dozens and dozens and dozens of ways to um, take down various um, machines uh, that uh, are um, in your way or that you need to harvest or whatever. So uh, it's really satisfying. And then again, the story is incredibly, for me, incredibly compelling. Um, I cried many times playing it, uh, oh the, the many times that I played it. <laughs> how is it? I saw is this like a it. giant game? Like how many hours? It's, yeah, it's, it's a giant game. It is, I, I don't actually know how many hours I would sink into an average game play, at least 50. Um, and then if you're a completionist, you can, I mean, you can wander around, uh, and, you know, sink a hundred hours easily into this game. It is not, it is much emptier, uh, which is interesting than, uh, Breath of the Wild. There are not nearly so many kind of puzzles or interesting moments, um, Mm. which is a big drawback, I think, to the game, but it's also, there's, there's much more of a story to the game, like there's there's things that you have to accomplish within the game, um, much more so than in you know uh, Breath of the Wild, which you know theoretically you can go you know from the Great Plateau down to the castle and kill Ganon with a stick, and people have done it. Correct. You can't. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> which is amazing. Um, I, oh, I do love too. watching me too. Them. They're yes. fantastic. I will never participate no. in one, but I do but, like I mean, it's, watching It's them. like stunt driving. I'm not <laughs> going to be a stunt driver, but that is just amazing shit right there. Um, anyway, so uh, yes. Horizon Zero Dawn is a game that requires a lot more um, emotional investment, but that is mm. one of the main reasons that I love it as much as I do. And you also have super cute outfits. Very yeah. important. Um before you go, Prue, I'm sorry, I have, like, a bonus recommendation, which is actually oh, okay. a book. Mm. Uh, so this is a graphic novel. I think it's an indie graphic novel. I don't know if you could order this online, but you could probably get your local comic book store to order it for you. It's called Second Quest by David Hellman and Tevis Thompson. And it is essentially a graphic novel about, like, what if you were Zelda or Link living in Legend of Zelda, but you had, like, awareness that the rules of that world didn't make any sense? Like, what would you do and how would you... Uh, oppose your destiny or try to get around it it's just like a very interesting i kind of love that idea 
Very cool. It, I actually will have a corollary rec to this then. Um, when <laughs> um, let me give my video game recommendation yeah. first, and then I'll do my partner rec to what MK just recommended. So, like, in a very telling, like, mm, this is what Prue likes to do with her spare time. Um, I'm recommending a game on Nintendo Switch called Wilmot's Warehouse. I think that it's probably on a couple of different platforms. I would be shocked if it's not. It's a very, very simple game. It's, um, it's a puzzle game. And essentially, it's a memory puzzle game. So the premise of it is that your name is Wilmot, and you work a soulless warehouse. Oh job. yeah, um, I remember. Okay, keep going. But the art of this is the art of the. I think yeah. you and I probably played a little bit of this when you were here. The art of this is very unique. Um, it's very. Um, I don't know. It's like very stylized. Everybody is a little cube, mm -hmm. basically, and. What you're doing is that you have a space in a warehouse and you get deliveries of boxes and you have to organize them and you have like a set amount of time to organize them in a way so that you can go find them again because at some point people are going to make orders and you've got to run them up to the window. And I find it to be a really fascinating, visually interesting puzzle game and it has like very ambient like gamer music that kind of flows into the background so like if you're ever looking for something that's like really good to turn your brain off and like listen to an audiobook or like listen to an interesting podcast and just to have something visual to do with your eyeballs while you're doing it like Wilmot's Warehouse is really fun and a really I think it gets like exponentially more challenging in ways that you don't expect as you continue to play the game um but highly recommend it like very low bar to entry but very high skill ceiling so much like Tetris or other puzzle games of that I was nature. gonna say I remember watching you play it and um thinking that it was it 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 hit that same kind of button as Tetris in terms of like the satisfaction 100%. of being like oh I got yeah. it right in the right oh yeah I love that feeling so yeah Definitely a good game. <laughs> yeah, very, very similar pleasure yeah, cool. button in that in that one. Um, so the other thing I wanted to recommend is sort of in line with what you were talking about, MK. And I think that mm -hmm. you might actually enjoy this anime. It's called Konosuba. And it's, so for those of you who don't watch anime, like there's been this like extremely pervasive trend, I would want to say in like the last five years of um, a theme called isekai, which is basically being like transported Ugh. to another world. Yeah, and I don't like isekai for like a number of reasons. Most women don't like isekai. Isekai is point. not. There are a lot. Of, like there are a lot of problems with it. Like we can talk about it later. But like it, it's not for me. However, I will say Konosuba is kind of a hilarious um, takedown of isekai tropes in like a very, very excellent way. So it starts mm. very much like a typical isekai where you have like a loser, um, like homebody who all he does is games and has like nothing going on in their life. He gets hit by a truck, you guys. <laughs> okay. But the way that he gets hit by a truck is that like he is depicted as a complete asshole. Like there, it's no holds barred. Like he's right. a dick. Um, but he dies saving a bunch of teenagers from getting hit by a truck. And it's like the one nice thing that he's ever done in his completely useless shitty life. So in his afterlife session, he's brought to this chamber with this like goddess who turns out to be a complete asshole and is like, what do you want? Like you are going to move on to another life, like a reincarnation and because of this one act of utter selfless kindness that you've done, you get to choose something that we give to you to, like, help guide you in your next life. And this, like, goddess is such a shitbag to him. And that he is such a fundamentally, like, bad person <laughs> that he's like, you know what? 
I'm going to take you with me <gasps> into my next life <gasps> as a Gross. member of my party. Not like as a romantic, no. whatever. But like, I'm going to take you because you're an all-powerful goddess. Yeah. And so they Fair. crash okay. into this next world. And you find out very quickly that Aqua, who is the name of this goddess, is incredibly stupid. She's just so dumb and so spoiled and such a fucking moron. And it's every shitty isekai trope kind of laid bare for what it truly is. And it is like a group of assholes who are questing around together. And it is fucking hilarious. It is like a very specific type of like a dark humor. And you have to know just enough about isekai to be like, I don't like isekai to be like, I love this isekai though. It's just a bunch of very <laughs> bad people who are trapped on like the longest work trip of your life with just a bunch of dicks. And it's very, very, very funny. So Good. give it a shot. Like you can just watch like the first episode, which like if it doesn't work for you, the rest of the show is definitely not going to work for you. But it's very much like, I think that I enjoyed it so much because it was such an inversion on the classic isekai tropes, which are very repulsive to me. So... I think that's why I liked uh, My Next Life is a Villainous, right? Because it takes, like, the harem anime yes. trope and flips it entirely. You would also like how I reincarnate, like, slime anime. <laughs> I mean, you can tell me about the slime anime all you want. I'm not watching The slime it. anime is so good. He creates a monster NATO. It's very good. I'll watch slime anime when you watch the... Cherry oh my magic. God. This conversation has gone off yeah, the rails. This is... I want to, because you guys got to pick, got to recommend, you know, extra non-video game things. Too. You get another one. I get, get another, another one. one. I think everybody should listen to the audiobooks of Rivers of London. It's a mystery series mm. uh, about a uh, cop in London who gets recruited by the magical force, uh, magical constabulary of the Metropolitan Police. Um, the books are great. The audiobooks are so much better, and everybody should listen to them. That's my pitch. I've been trying to get it, but my library doesn't have the first I will send it to <laughs> you. <laughs> That's Please so do. dark. Like, you're like, oh, the rest of them are here. I just won't know what's happening in any of them. <sighs> I just have so many feelings about it. I'm, I'm basically Mr. Darcy sitting in the corner, consumed by my feelings for the rest of the evening. <laughs> I've seen you I tweeting a lot about it, even as I tweet about want fantasy. High. Everybody to read it um, or listen to it. Anyway, so that's mine. Um, awesome. The, I, I prove offline. Please talk to me more about the slime anime because that I now I now I now I got. Oh my know. god! I I will tell you. I I'll ping you yeah. immediately about oh. slime, slime do. anime. It's so good. Okay, yeah. so we have to wrap it up. up to a mistake. <laughs> we have to wrap it up. I've I've shamed myself enough on this podcast. All right, guys. Thank you for joining me to talk about Breath of the Wild. I will look forward to when we meet here again to talk more about you know how Ganon and Chungus and various <laughs> other big horses are doing. Um, until then, don't forget it's dangerous to go alone. So take this. Mm -hmm.